Walking the spot in his lights, camera's action Well executed, I'm the main attraction Engaging vibes is where I wanna be Enchanting light to smiles is all you see <laughs> So I ain't thinking about the next one Snapping pics, they be loving my fashion Great drinks, great friends, and it's flowing well It's the perfect event, shout out Riel You're tuned in to another episode of the Riel's Events Podcast. We're a business podcast all about elevating boring events to enchanting engagements for your nonprofit organization, corporation, or small business. I'm your host, Riel Jones. Each week, I interview a dynamic guest to kind of shed light on a different topic around the events planning, event production, and business sphere. This week, our guest is Kayla Flory. She is a dynamic recent graduate from Tufts, a fashionista who has been using her background in international relations and um, language studies abroad. And I think her story is one that will really resonate with a lot of our listeners, really inspire you, as well as continue our theme on presentation and why it's important and even giving us a more global understanding of our presentation and um, the significance of it. Please, before this episode ends, make sure that you go ahead and like us or like this um, episode and leave a comment here on iTunes, on SoundCloud and Stitcher. That way we have more visibility so other people can enjoy the programming as well. I want to give a quick shout out to Detroit, which you probably hear in the background. <laughs> a lot of action. I'm downtown. Um, one last thing, along with going ahead and leaving a comment and leaving a um, quick like, make sure that you send us a note on social media. Our social media handle is at real underscore events. That's R-I-E-L-L-E underscore E-V-E-N-T-S. And make sure you check out Shani B, um, who, again, did our intro. Thanks a lot. First, I just want to thank you for joining me today. Let's tell our guests um, how we know each other. We met at Harvard Business School. They were doing a, a call for employees and I remember we made it to like the second or third round or what yeah. have you. And so then we became automatically best friends because why not? Why not? Why not? Like you go to this, inter- like <laughs> the fact that we went there and it's supposed to be like this really, really intense situation of like, because it's Harvard, right? But uh, you go there and you start clicking with people. And I don't know if that's what they meant to happen right. and it's also interesting because uh, well I didn't get the position you know me neither okay so <laughs> you don't got the position but I feel like we're great candidates and we're great people so right. we figured it out we got it <laughs> exactly we're doing good things right so you went to Tufts and what did you study at Tufts and why so at Tufts, I was a double major. I did Spanish language, but then I also did international relations. And then I focused on economic development. Um, and I think why I chose to do that was, I think I'm very much influenced by my family. My aunt has worked in aid in West Africa my entire life. And so growing up, she'd come every summer with my cousins. And I'd hear these stories about her living in Senegal and Niger, Cameroon, and the projects she was doing, whether it was food security or water or um, just the programs and what she was doing. I always find that incredibly fascinating when I was younger. And then my dad's family is Colombian in uh, South America. So I'd always been really, you know, interested in Latin American culture and kind of how I could get involved and maybe at some point in life go back. So I chose. Yeah. 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 So I chose to do IR and then Spanish. That's really, that's really interesting because I was really surprised to find out that you are fluent and not only fluent in the sense of like you could communicate with people and you can pass like really 
high level tests, but that you really can communicate and have full in depth conversations with, and be a translator and all of that. Um, how has those skills helped you uh, in your career so far? Um, well, I think when you do translations and then when you're fluent in another language, you also are aware of, I think, the small cultural nuances between one place and another regionally um, because you start to realize that there's different significances between the words or how you express yourself and how to be patient with others who have different levels of understanding. And so I think when I was working in West Africa and in Ghana, many people have English learning as maybe a second or even a third language next to more um, indigenous or local languages such as tree, ga, fanti, ewe. And so you have to be very patient and be understanding of kind of the cultural norms and how that, you know, influences how you communicate most effectively with others. Right. And so how did you end up in Ghana after um, Tufts? So after I graduated, I had worked in D.C. with um, a larger humanitarian aid organization. Mm -hmm. And after that experience, I really wanted to be on the ground and abroad because I felt as though I was learning a lot in the classroom and in the books, but wanted to kind of see what it was actually like. And at the time, my aunt was stationed in Ghana. And so for me, that was a no-brainer because, you know, Tufts has a study abroad program in Ghana. So many of my friends throughout college have this, you know, dear place in their heart for Ghana because that's where they went for their abroad, you know, term. And then I think on top of that, it's English speaking and there aren't as many English speaking countries in West Africa. So I figured if I didn't go right then, my aunt was going to be somewhere else where I wouldn't know the, ang- like, wouldn't know the language. <laughs> so I was like, Gaga. Right, right. right. <laughs> How did you end up going into fashion after um, studying Spanish and studying international relations? Yeah, so... One of the most captivating things about Ghana is that it's very warm and it's very colorful and vibrant. Not Mm. just, you know, the clothes, but also walking around, there's mangoes and there's pineapples, all the street vendors, their booths, they're very bright colored. It's almost always warm and sunny, but people are also very friendly. And so I think when I was there, I was exposed to a lot of the arts. Mm-hmm. I was working with somebody who was incredibly creative. Her name's Renee Neblet. She's American. She founded her own um, organization called the Crocoridia Institute that kind of pulls together design and development. And so she'd take recyclable wastes such as plastic bottles and maybe turn them into like Um, toys or educational materials that could be used in classrooms and so I think within that space I was exposed to a lot of innovation and how design and development can be used together to kind of accomplish some of these bigger issues Um, and so I actually live and there's so many tailors in Ghana like you actually will see people who walk around the street with Um, sewing machines on their head and they're available to do on the minute on the second like on hand you know repairs have like a torn shirt or like something breaks you literally just find these women sometimes men as well and they walk around with like literally with a machine on their head to do a repair so there's very much yeah, so there's very much a culture of, like, tailor-made goods in Ghana. Um, and so that was something I wanted to play around with, especially because I feel in the U.S. it's not that easy to always shop as somebody who's curvier. Yes, um, yes, I, you know? I identify with that 100%. Exactly. So for <laughs> me, 
I was like super excited to like have all this stuff made. And so I started following different fashion brands and, um, it, you know, kind of experimenting with different clothes and silhouettes and things. And I stumbled upon um, Urban Bush Babes, their blog, mm-hmm. uh, run by TK Wonder and Cipriana. And they had done this uh, really beautiful post about Studio 189 on their Instagram page. And I automatically recognized it as Ghana. I was like, oh, that's in Ghana. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, and it really um, caught my attention because so much of what we think of as African fashion is typically wax print. And I thought this was a really interesting, I think at the the piece was like, it was a silk piece and it was dip dyed and it was really, really beautiful, but it wasn't like what I would typically think of as African at the time. But why not? Why, why not? Because so much of African fashion, I think, is so bright and mm-hmm. so colorful and yeah. so like geared towards wax print that when you see things that are different from that mold, you you kind of think for a second, like, oh, like, okay, this is also African, but it's yeah. not something you would necessarily jump to at first. But I recognized Ghana because of where the location was shot. Um, and, so, and so can you tell us a bit a little bit more about wax print and that process and the different types of fabrics a, a little bit before we go on okay yeah so um so wax print is, has a really interesting really globalized history it actually originated in indonesia the batiking process um which is basically taking a wax hot wax and stamp and then you repeatedly stamp a piece of fabric you dye it with you know your colors and then you let it dry and you peel off your wax and you get this repetition Mm -hmm. um and so the wax print is just a more mechanized way of doing that but it's a it's the same idea where you get the repetition of the print often very geometric very colorful um and so the dutch when they were colonizing Uh, the West African coast, they brought this Indonesian craft to Ghana, to West Africa. And that's why it's often still referred to as Dutch wax print, Mm -hmm. because the Dutch brought this idea of batiking and really industrialized it um, into West Africa. So it has a very like global history, which I think is very um, kind of unique and telling of where the world is right now. Yeah, um, but the thing is, the African prints are very, um, very unique to the region as well. So you often will see Adinkra symbols, which have ties to uh, local mythology, um, or you'll see prints that use certain color schemes mm-hmm. that are very common. So even though it has this very global history it still is uniquely or, you know, very Ghanaian or West African. And it has elements from all these different parts of the world. Yeah. So is there like a color combination that you'd probably see a lot that you'd probably say, yeah, that feels Ghanaian or, um, you know, like, for instance, in Atlanta, everybody likes to use red and black. Like, that's the color for everything whether it's a high school team, um, an organization, we love to use red and black. Are there like colors mm-hmm. that you can say is kind of regional? Um, I'm not, they're not really like a color particularly, but yeah. I would, cause it's so bright in general. And I think there's so many versions of similar prints. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's certain motifs that you see a lot in certain areas. Like I have friends who um, are from Senegal or they're from other West African countries and they have mm-hmm. also wax print, but I can automatically tell you like, it's not Ghanaian, like it's not from Ghana or it's not sold in Ghana. Cause it's not one of the motifs I'm used to seeing or the colors look a little different. So mm-hmm. you get to a point where you can kind of recognize and figure out like, oh, okay, this is this brand or this looks like yeah. that. 
but there's so many colors and symbols. It's hard. It's not like it's one thing I could point well, to. Yeah, that makes sense. And so going back to like being tailored and having an emphasis on that, that's been our theme of this week is presentation and how we present ourselves as professionals, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the things that you kind of picked up on that they focus on when it comes to tailoring? Maybe it's, you know, dart, putting darts in the back. I don't know. Like what, what, what do you think like our listeners could think about when they think about tailoring their outfits? Well, I think working with fashion and with Studio 189, Mm -hmm. I learned that the details, the very small details, are what make a garment really stand out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having an eye for matching specific colors and laying the print so that way it really... Um, takes advantage of the beauty of the silhouette that you're picking. So for me, I'm like really try to be conscious of how things are laid mm-hmm. and that makes sense with where the zippers and the buttons are. Are there quality trims? Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's those little details and trying to put little pops of color where possible, I think makes something really stand out. I like that. I like that. Okay, I'm sorry. So I, I got you all off of your your story of um, how you got to Ghana and um, and really got started. I know that um, you said you saw the the Instagram page and you you recognized it being the, from the landscape and everything like that. And mm-hmm. so how did you start working with them? Did you reach out to them? Did you already yeah. have in fashion beforehand? So I had never worked in fashion at all. Um, I actually knew very little about it, to be honest. Um, outside of like, oh, that's pretty. I like it. <laughs> in terms of how it really worked, I wasn't a pro or really followed the whole lot. Um, but it was something I was gr- becoming increasingly more interested in. And I really loved Abrima's project. Um, Studio 189, who she uh, co-founded with Rosario Dawson, um, one of the actresses in Hollywood. And what I really loved about their project wasn't just that they were making these really beautiful clothes um, with artisans in West Africa, but the idea was to build a supply chain and to create jobs, to have trainings and empower women And so for me, that really kind of tied together my other interests in development and what I had studied in terms of a more economic business perspective of how do you uplift communities and where can you create markets or create connections and platforms to really elevate the skills that exist somewhere. And I think fashion is is an industry where there's a lot of women who are behind the scenes, whether they're seamstresses or, you know, they're designers or they're models. I think it's an industry that really, for me, is a way to um, work with and support a lot of different women. And so I really loved that mission. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just emailed them. I went to their... You know, I went to the website. I saw that they had all this amazing press with Vogue, WWD. Everyone was talking about them. And so I wanted to be a part of that project because I was already in Ghana. I really enjoyed being there. And so I just emailed their, like, info at studio189.com and said, you know, hi, I'm in Ghana. This is what I've done. This is where I went to school. This is why I like your project. Are you hiring? And so we started a conversation from there. I went to the factory and really enjoyed, you know, the presence of where I was and the team. So it was, you know, we just kind of moved from there. And and it seems like you got to do a lot of different types of photo shoots. Um, at least from me stalking your Instagram page, <laughs> it's like you got to do a lot of uh, working with models. How was that? And what did you learn from that experience? 
Um, for me, that's always really fun because I think, well, I mean, Abrima and Rosario, you know, both very powerful women of color. And so for them, it's really important to create opportunities for other women of color, I think in particular. And so the fashion industry as a whole is not known for being super inclusive or very diverse. Um, and so one of the things I love about their platform is that they, you know, they talk the talk and walk the walk. So the women who are sewing the clothes, they use Ghanaian models or they use women of color and they like to showcase natural hair, very natural looking beauty. And so for me, it was always, you know, really fun to meet all these models who felt very at home at the shoots. Yes. Like when we did our lookbook campaign, um, it was with Selena Forrest and Aqua. It looked you know, amazing. And, it looked amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Mm -hmm. It was a really, really intense shoot. It was two days. Delphine Diallo did the photography in New York. Um, Abrima and Rosario were also, you know, obviously part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and managed the whole thing and got it together. Um, and so, you know, it's really beautiful to kind of see... And what makes it intense for the people who only see the finished product, the beautiful pictures, and it, and it looks so effortless, you know? Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Because that's the thing is you want to you wanna make people really resonate with the story and with the brand and that, you know, carving out your own space and your place and time, I think is really important. Um, and when you build your own platform, you're able to do that because you're not concerned about maybe somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you can really orient your how you can really orient like how you're telling your story and your message. And so for me, working with so many different models at various you know levels of recognition was always really inspiring and then I'd kind of like take notes and be like oh look at her sleigh oh my gosh yes. <laughs> How do and I I'm sure that confidence has to rub off on you some or like you know even like oh wow that's how you like she looks confident holding her body that way or yeah, <laughs> yeah you know and like it for me it takes a lot of courage to just sit there and let people take photos of you like that for hours. And, you know, they put you in whatever outfit and they do whatever with your hair and your makeup. And you just have to kind of go with the flow and let all these people like talk and analyze. You know? so, but I think it's like really amazing to watch them and how they're so confident and they just yeah. kind of go up there and they... They do their thing, so right, right. And did you see your style change at all? Um, the longer you stayed there, yeah, I think I definitely started paying more attention um, to how I looked and being more bold with mm -hmm. I think some of the, my makeup. Cause I used to do more of a a nude look, yeah. and then maybe I do like a red lip kind of thing. But now I have like a lot more different colors in terms of lipsticks. And I use, um, I don't know, like in terms of, I feel like I grew up with a very conservative style as well. And I was mm -hmm. always in the gym because I did sports at, in university. And so, I don't know, it wasn't like my top priority. And then I started to really see it as a way of expressing yourself and like your individuality and like paying more attention to the different prints and like how I would match things. Um, so for me, I also really enjoyed that wearing skirts that were a little shorter, got my <laughs> V a little bit deeper cut in the front, you know, like open back. You go crazy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have that open back silk gown, you know, things yeah. I wouldn't typically wear. <laughs> you know, if you told me in college, like I'd go to these red carpet events and things, I'd probably be like, what? Me? <laughs> what? <laughs> Them. What was your first red carpet event? Um, what was the first one? I think 
see so many. <laughs> there aren't that many. It's just that I have to think from the beginning because it's been like a long time. Well, I mean, I think most of them were in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to uh, Rosario's um, Luke Cage premiere. What? What? Wait, wait, wait. Um. <laughs> I'm just cheesy as if I'm like I'm picturing what's what's his what's the actor's name? Cause I just see him as Luke Cage. Like that's how much he sold it to me. You know, like I'm I'm blushing over here. Okay. <laughs> what, was what was that like? What did you notice um like from events as a guest that you thought was cool or interesting? Um for me it was so like surreal because um one of our um so Anne who worked with Studio 189 primarily in the US with operations and sales she also works most directly with uh Rosario and so we had just opened a store in New York it's still there 296 Elizabeth Street if anyone's in New York and um she came by and was like hey do you want to come? There's going to be a party. And I'm like, what? But the thing is with Anne, she has this incredible network. So if Anne invites you to anything, you just go. Yes, yes, you yes, go. yes, you yes, 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 she knows them like so casually and right. so for my rule is like if Anne invites you to something you just show up and you just make it happen <laughs> and so she came like really last minute to the store and said you know there's this opportunity do you want to come she didn't really tell me what it was she said it was some kind of premiere I didn't really know mm-hmm. and then but she's like, you have to come in like 10 minutes. She's like, I literally, you have to come like now, 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 now. And I'm like, yes. ah. So yes. I had to go in the store. And there were like all these, you know, beautiful clothes and a prima. And Anne like helped me pick something like really fast. And then, you know, I like, changed in the back. <laughs> yeah, we had like just like moved into the store. So it was a little bit like a lot of stuff. Yeah trying to like move over all this stuff and like get to the mirror and like put something on my face. Yeah, cause he was like, Kayla, I gotta go, I gotta go, we don't have time. And then I wore this, um, I wore the indigo wide leg pants, which mm-hmm. are absolutely amazing. Cause they give you the best little booty. And yes, then, yes. What yeah, did we talk about on the other episode too? Okay, yeah. <laughs> we talked about the booty, so. Yeah, you have to talk about the booty. And then I wore uh, one of the Studio 189 screen printed black shirts and a deconstructed indigo coat, which to me, it's one of my favorite pieces, the coat. It's so warm and comfy, but it's also really chic and just absolutely beautiful. Like it's, it's t- you can really tell like the people who made it put a lot of time and had so much, you know, like care for the garment. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like the silhouette of it's really amazing too. Cause it's kind of asymmetrical and, oh, I love it. Anyway, so that's what yeah. I wore. And we kind of like put this outfit together. We got lost on the subway and then I yeah. show up and I was like, wait, this is a red carpet. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I've been seeing this on my, like, Facebook timeline. About right. Like, Luke Cage. right, right, right. I'm, like, blushing. Yes, yes, continue. <laughs> um, so then it was, like, it was really fun. And, you know, the whole cast was there. and Everyone was super friendly. And, you know, they did all the photos. And there were plenty of photographers. Yes. Well, it's kind of interesting to actually see because typically I would just see maybe the outcome online. But yeah, I wouldn't so what is it like really... behind the scenes, you know, for a lot of us who um, haven't been able to do that or perhaps we want to do an event where we're inviting major stars, but we don't know how much production really goes into it and how many people are 
moving hands to make it run um, seamlessly? Um, well, I think something that just caught my eye was they had like a couple ladders of different photographers and they were like stacked literally on ladders, like kind of yelling out people's names. And it was a really small, I mean, it was kind of tight knit because it was being um, premiered at a movie theater in Harlem because that's where they film the, the series. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was in Harlem. Um, so it was small because it was at the, it was at the movie theater. Um, mm-hmm. But they had all these people just like stacked up, like Rosario, Rosario, like all the, <laughs> Michael. Yeah. So for me, I was kind of like behind there, like, wow, this is kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, how is it seeing her in her element and seeing her there versus being in the store, being with the models, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it just shows to like, <clears throat> sorry, her professionalism and how she can go from super like warm fuzzy like super supportive to like okay I gotta do these shots really quick and one two got my look and it's just like perfect (laughs) some people need more takes but hers like it was literally the the quickest of all of them and it just shows to how much you know experience and how much she's done it and how professional she is yeah like I don't know, like, every pose and look was just amazing. I was like, oh, my God. One day I'll be that grateful. And, like, <laughs> but, um, and so I know you went to the Ghana Music Awards, right? Yes, I did. How was that? And what was that experience like? That was amazing. Um, so to give backstory, so yeah. we have a store in Ghana as well, in Osu, in Accra. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wanted to have our clothes at that event because we work a lot, you know, with creative of different types, whether they're in fashion or in music or they're, you know, other types of artists. And so I thought it'd be a really good way to bring some attention to what we were doing and the, in the, you know, the store. Right. So, um, I reached out to Manifest, who's Ghana's best rapper as of that, you know, as of Ghana Music Awards. Yes. (laughs) And he was super um, interested in what we were doing, kind of the mission. He loved the clothes, the whole concept. So he sent his stylist stylist by. And he, again, really loved the vibe. He was already a good friend of Abrima's. And so it was, it felt like natural, you know, like it had like a family vibe, like he was coming in, he really loved the space, he liked what we had to offer, so we had him try on a number of outfits, and then Mm -hmm. he decided on this um, indigo patchwork kimono, and um, a a tie-and-dye garment that we have that's a mandarin collar, long long shirt and he wore it on stage yes and he performed in it and he got his he won two different awards so you know it was really amazing to kind of see the start and finish of that and then I got to go with his crew to the event and just kind of celebrate afterwards that we were able to kind of be a part of that moment for him and his team was really incredible. And so what are some things that you think about when you're styling guys and, you know, and we, you know, we're looking for our people to have their own personality in their wardrobes and stuff like that. So what do you look for? Or what do you think about? I think with guys, the fit is so important because there's, an, I, I feel like the color scheme tend to be a little more limiting sometimes with menswear. Yeah. Um, and so making sure that they feel really comfortable in what it is and that it's something that's unique mm-hmm. um, is super important because I, I think the fit can really slim someone down a lot. Um, and so it has to fit just a certain way so that way it looks amazing on camera Um, and so I think with 
manifest. He loved the kimono and it just looks so like regal on him. Yeah. And then, you know, it was like a thing where I had a feeling he'd really like it kind of looking through his Instagram and like his music videos and things. Yeah. It felt like something. Personality. Yeah. Cause it has that piece has a lot of character to it and it's a lot of time goes into it because the pieces are maybe like an inch by inch or two inches by two inches at most. And it's this huge garment that has to be, you know, hand patchworked of indigo fabric that's also hand dyed. So it has a lot of character to it. And he's somebody who has this huge personality and this persona and is really um, traveling a lot. And so it's a great piece for someone like that. And it really kind of mm-hmm. represents like what he's doing because he tries to promote Ghanaian African brands as much as possible. And so um, what was one thing that you found kind of shocking um, being at the music awards, something at that like production level? Um, well, for me, what was shocking? It can be good, bad, or, you know, well, yeah, yeah anything. <laughs> I mean, I just really enjoyed the moment of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I actually went with Marini Pontes, who is our production manager in Ghana. And so it was nice to go with her as well, because she typically is in the factory and doesn't always see like the end result. Yeah. So I think kind of her reaction to things was also really amazing because it was just such a fun time. Like, Manifest performed, Sarkode performed, EL performed, like all the big name Ghanaian artists were there and performed. And so it was really great to kind of be in that environment where there was so much positivity and everyone was like really excited. And, you know, it was really fun. Like people would get up in their seats and start dancing because Ghanaians are always dancing. So you can expect them to sit there during their award (laughs) So I thought that was really fun. <laughs> like, I, was, yeah. I wanted to get up and dance, but I like wasn't sure at first. And then I started seeing other people like getting up and dancing, and I was like, "Yes, okay, <laughs> I'm in the right place." <laughs> yeah, I like, I like that. And so you're about to go to Malawi, and um, can you tell us a little bit about that trip? What inspired you to go there? Um, yeah, yeah. So um, a friend of mine from. Tufts, she's a recently graduated from Wharton School of Business at UPenn, and she wanted to start um, an ethical fashion brand in Malawi called Mawai. And for her, she's very close with Malawi because she had worked in development there um, with Finca doing microloans and things. And so she wanted to go back to kind of see if she could build a market in an industry there that's really supporting women, specifically seamstresses and training programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and since that was very similar to what I had been doing in Ghana, we had been talking a lot for, you know, a couple, couple weeks, couple months actually. Um, yeah. Cause she had a lot of questions about, you know, the fashion industry in general, Um, And kind of what my take and experiences have been, you know, operating in Ghana. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she asked me to come on board to help her structure and come up with operations for um, their upcoming launch, I believe, this fall. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. look out for my way. Yes, yes. And so what are some things that you're hoping to experience or do or, you know, yeah. So Malawi is so much different than Ghana because it's in like southeastern Africa. And I've never been outside of Ghana in Africa. And so I'm really excited to be in a different culture and meeting new people kind of seeing what's different and maybe what overlaps because I think in Malawi there's a bit there's also a lot of different tribes 
And I think when you're around those rich cultures and villages, um, you can make a lot of beautiful art um, and take a lot of inspiration from what's around. And since it's such a different environment, I feel like I'll be really um, just kind of fascinated by everything, <laughs> like what they yeah. eat and what they do and kind of being somewhere different and learning from that experience and how to communicate there um, in a place that has a very different culture and is also a lot more underdeveloped. And so I think there will be a lot more challenges in terms of um, working there with like Wi-Fi and yeah. levels of education and things like that. But that's kind of the whole point is to help bring it and to help um, incite change. Yeah, I can, I can definitely, uh, I can vibe with it. So do you feel like fashion is an industry that you want to stay in for the future or is it something that you feel like, you know, right now in this part of your journey, it fits? I really like working with fashion um, and creatives. I think it's really, especially when there's um, a more ethical focus. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, part of the reason there's so many issues, you know, in developing countries is that it's not easy to manufacture in country. And so your raw materials are being shipped away for very cheap. And so all of the processes in between and the supply chain that are creating jobs and supporting local economies are happening somewhere else. Yes. Or you have the issues of, you know, if you, no one's buying the art and no one's buying the tradition and it's not a viable um, um, livelihood for somebody, then they're not going to pass that craft down. Right. Because it's not something that is sustainable for the family. And so I think working with artists and working with designers who have that in their back of their mind that these are issues that they want to tackle or this is a way to keep things relevant or to bring back jobs and build supply chains in country. I think it fits along the lines with a lot of what my goals are and what my interests were as a student mm-hmm. and continue to be. Um, and I think especially working in developing countries and working with smaller brands who are creating their own platforms, you're able to highlight your standard of beauty. And that can be a lot more inclusive and more diverse than maybe what you typically see. And then when it, you know, gets attention, I think it helps open up opportunities for other young women of color. Yes. And um, I have a a few more questions. First, um, do you feel like you would want to bring some of these skills to like um, different Latin American cult, um, sorry, different Latin American um, countries being that? Yeah. I mean, I would love to, I've been talking with actually an ethical fashion brand in Colombia where my family's from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so who knows? I love Latin America I studied abroad in Cuba and fell in love with that country and the island. So I've never been. Girl, you have to go. It's going to change very quickly. I highly recommend Cuba to anyone. So quickly, quickly, what what made you fall in love with Cuba? Um, Well, I think Cuba is such an anomaly. For many reasons, like when, for example, and as a develop someone studying development and economics internationally, it often would be kind of the asterisk at the bottom of the study that was like excludes Cuba or it doesn't apply to Cuba or there's no data on Cuba. And so I found that really, um, I was really curious about it, mm-hmm. what was going on there and why it was always a place that was kind of in the shadows, but was also so close to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they have such a, uh interesting history, and it's very unique how people have used 
I think creativity and innovation to preserve the little things they had mm-hmm. because you know trade quite more or less cut off yeah. from the 60s and so you have people who use refrigerators that are 50 and 60 years old or they make art from items that you know you can no longer use and you see these really beautiful or really unique sculptures yeah <clears throat> and so there's just a lot of creativity and it's very warm and friendly um and it's very the way of thinking and the mentality there is very community oriented um whereas i think in the u.s it's very individualistic and yeah. it's very, um geared towards being productive whereas there that's not really one of the top or it's not really the the first priority it's more looking at the community as a whole and kind of functioning within that unit um and so for me that was really interesting to talk Mm -hmm. to different people and understand their experiences and their perceptions of the u.s Mm -hmm. um and kind and i don't know i just really enjoyed it what are some tips today or what are some tips that you would give um graduates now um as you look back over the last few years um, of your amazing journey so far and very much unexpected. Oh, thank you. No, <laughs> and I feel like in some ways it's um, also been unexpected. Yeah, it is. I think I kind of go with the flow. And if it, if the cards are right and it feels right, then I try to go with it and trust that it'll work out. Um, so I think my recommendations would be to always ask because you never know who will say yes. Like I would have never, re- I don't know, like I never could have imagined Abrima saying yes. Yeah. Felt like it was kind of a long shot because I hadn't worked in fashion. I'd only been in Ghana a couple months. And I wasn't really sure if they were even hiring. They didn't post anything. I just kind of reached out to her. Yeah. And if you you imagine. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to always ask because you never know who's willing to help or who needs assistance or who might be able to connect you to somebody else in the future. Definitely. Definitely. And if you could take a snapshot of you just graduating and you now, what would you what would be the biggest difference you would say you see? Uh, I think there's a lot of differences. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a lot more open to trying new things in general. I think when I first went to Ghana, as much as I am kind of gung-ho, I was really nervous, and it took me a while to, to feel comfortable But then once I did, I just really started to love the whole experience. And I think I was became a lot more um, confident as a leader. And Mm. yeah, I think just more comfortable with myself, my body, the way Mm -hmm. I dressed was different. I think I've changed a lot between me now and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then one last question I'd like to ask all of my guests. Um, what's one event faux pas that you see a lot that you wish um, nonprofits or people who are throwing, you know, business events would look at and think about? Um, what's something to think about? Like one thing you stay, they usually do. You're like, ooh, that wasn't too good. I wish they didn't do that. Hmm. I think sometimes people do things that are a little too gimmicky mm-hmm. or a little too like they're trying too much to impress. And I think oftentimes something that's more natural and sincere goes a long way because then the whole vibe of the event is really authentic and. People genuinely are enjoying themselves, and then that comes across. But 
I know sometimes I've been to things and then it's like a little too gimmicky or like a little corny at times. <laughs> but, I'm a pretty like, corny, so I get that. So I have a team that so helps get that out. <laughs> yeah, because people are like trying to be really punny or what have you. But I think sometimes if you have a good project or a good mission, like letting that shine through as naturally as possible, whether that's yeah. in the decor or in the how people present themselves like with makeup or like what they're wearing or if it's like your marketing materials I think if it's a good event and you have good people that are excited to be there it's Mm -hmm. a good event regardless and you don't necessarily need all the the glitz and glitter if it's not true to what you're doing right right I I can definitely co-sign on that 100 percent 100 and so all the so all the listeners who loved uh this interview and who like to continue following you how can they reach out to you okay so i'm on instagram it's my name kayla forey k-a-y-l-a-f-o-r-y that's me you can follow my posts through there i also have a bilingual blog that's in Spanish and English called Tejiendo Experiences and it's about me traveling as Afro-Latina in Africa and kind of trying to reconnect with the diaspora and share that experience. Thank you again, everybody, for taking the time to listen to Riel's Events Podcast. Thank you, Kayla Forey, for an amazing interview today. Um, Again, everybody, please make sure that you go ahead and you follow us here on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, as well as you leave a comment um, about today's episode. I want to give a special thanks to Anthony Majors, who helped us with sound editing, this episode, he's um, from Berkeley School of Music, just like Shani B, and he's also now in Atlanta. I want to give a special thanks to you all for listening and being a part of our journey. And again, if you want events help, you can always reach out to me. Go to our website, realevents.com, R-I-E-L-L-E-E-V-E-N-T-S.com. And we have teams in the South, in Georgia, and up in the Midwest, in Michigan. Till next time, Sai Jian.